Mask Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill, and today is Tuesday, November the 6th, 2018. And as many of you know, today was a very important day here in this country, the midterm elections. Many polls, if not all polls by now, have closed. I know a lot of people did early voting. There are still a lot of people that actually went out today and voted. So like the old saying goes, if you didn't vote, don't complain. Now, I wouldn't tell you which way to vote, of course. I'm sure many people that listen to the show know which way I lean, but this is not a political show. But I will say for those that complain and complain and complain, if you didn't vote, you really don't have a leg to stand on. And of course, we probably won't know all the results for a while. You know, that's typically how election results work. Things have to be counted out. And then, of course, people will want recounts. And then people will say there was some kind of voter manipulation at the polls, all of that good stuff. So I'm sure it'll be a while before we know the actual results of the midterm election. But again, a very important day for the country. And if you didn't vote, shut up. I don't want to hear your complaining. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a uh, Michigan state trooper that was on trial. He was going on trial for second degree manslaughter, I believe, for the death of or second degree murder, I should say, for the death of a 15 year old uh, Damon Grimes that happened back in 2017. So if you don't remember, I'll catch you up real quick. Damon Grimes, 15 years old, was fleeing from police on a four-wheeler ATV. And this uh, trooper, this uh, Michigan State trooper, Mark Bessner, fired his his, uh, taser outside of the vehicle, and it struck Damon Grimes, causing him to uh, hit the back of a truck at a high rate of speed. He later died from his injuries. Well, he went to trial, and I told you I'd give you an update on it. So... The trial was actually, uh, it resulted in a mistrial on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. The jury failed to reach a verdict in the murder trial of that state trooper. Uh, Again, there's probably some things there that the jury just couldn't agree on when you're talking about charging a police officer with second degree murder while he's um, performing his duties. He was also charged with involuntary manslaughter as well. But, uh, you know, they didn't come back with that charge either. Of course, the state prosecutor says has said he will be uh, retried uh, in the next coming months, I'm sure. But, you know, I'll I'll be curious to see how it goes then, because, yeah, as I said, did he uh, violate policy? Yeah, absolutely. Because the policy of that department, Michigan state patrol is to not fire your taser outside of the vehicle. Now, why uh, Bessner did that? Mark Bessner did that. I don't know. Only he can, you know, articulate that. I think during court, he said he believed that the 
the uh, teen was armed with a gun. Um, you know, and I don't want to second guess anybody's actions in that job, having to make split second decisions. But yeah, he violated policy, but I can understand why the jury found it hard to actually charge him, convict him rather of second degree murder and manslaughter. That's a a huge task to, uh, to try to get that conviction when you're talking about an officer acting in the line of duty and you can see on several surveillance cameras that Damon Grimes was indeed fleeing from police. So I think that's what the jury had a hold up on in this case. Again, the prosecution has said he said he will be uh, retried here in the coming months. Don't know exactly when yet. Of course, when I find out, I will let you know. Of course, I will stay on top of that case. That is Mark Bessner, former Michigan state trooper who was charged with second degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. The jury came back with a hung jury this past Wednesday. Now, what I did find interesting during his trial, of course, the prosecution went way back and they pulled some uh, old incidents from this state trooper, Mark Bessner, all involving his taser dating all the way back to, I believe, 2012 or 2014. And what they tried to do was paint him as this guy that just really wanted to um, go out and taste people for no apparent reason. So they went back several years. The latest one was about a month before uh, he encountered Damon Grimes, who was later killed. Uh, So the prosecution showed these videos to the jury and I think it backfired on them simply because, you know, I, I've watched all of these vi- videos that, that they came up with. And in each case, the individual was resisting arrest. With the exception of the one you don't see on camera, we really don't know what happened. But you could hear verbal commands of show me your hand, show me your hands. One was a traffic stop from August of last year where the backseat passenger was actively resisting arrest. And therefore, he was tased. The other, a handcuffed suspect, was fleeing the scene, had somehow jumped over a few fences before he was tased. So in all of these cases that the prosecution came up with to paint this guy, this state trooper, Mark Bessner, as this overzealous guy who's just trigger happy when it comes to his taser, I think it backfired. And I think maybe that's why the jury came back with a a, uh, hung jury there, because, you know, they're seeing these videos. And I'm sure the defense came back when these videos were showed during cross-examination and said, hey, these individuals were resisting arrest and you used the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. Is that right, officer? Is that how you were trained, officer? And they looked at use of force policies. I think showing those videos to that jury to get sympathy actually backfired for the prosecution. Now, I want to switch gears to Memphis, and I can tell you a case that did not backfire And I'm so happy that there was resolution in this case. Uh, Back in 2015, I actually talked about it uh, as part of my 10-7 segment uh, back then. Police officer Sean Michael Bolton was shot and killed when he interrupted a drug deal uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. At about 9.15 at night back on August 1st, 2015. So the suspect fled the scene, carjacked a car, 
turned himself in two days later after a massive manhunt. He was on trial last week. Uh, we covered part of it on the, well, we covered all of it actually on the Law and Crime Network where I actually anchor. He was on trial last week uh, for that. He was actually on trial. They actually had court this past Saturday and Sunday as well. The jury had found Tremaine Wilburn guilty of murder uh, of that police officer, Sean Bolton. Now, to give you a little background, because I'm sure many people didn't follow the actual trial, Tremaine Wilburn tried to plead or make the claim that it was self-defense. And during the opening statements, the defense attorney did something really sickening. And luckily, the, the prosecutor objected before he could get it out. But he was essentially saying that, now this was Tremaine Wilburn's defense, that it was self-defense. He was saying that, hey, just a week later, a black man was killed by a white Memphis police officer. So therefore, Tremaine was scared and he didn't know what was going on. But let me give you a little background of what really happened. Officer Bolton sees his car illegally parked. He sees it occupied multiple times. He approaches. He sees what is called in plain sight or plain view narcotics. So what does he do as a police officer? He attempts to start investigating this. He pulls Tremaine Wilburn out of the car. Tremaine immediately starts tussling with Officer Bolton. He pushes him, pulls out a nine millimeter, shoots him directly in the face. And as Officer Bolton falls to the ground, he fires 10 more times striking the officer several times in places that the medical examiner said would have been a kill shot regardless, not including the shot to his face. He flees the scene. He carjacks someone. He tells that person, I just shot a police officer. Give me your car. That person calls 911 and says, hey, this guy just carjacked me, said he just shot a police officer. It was a citizen, a good Samaritan, who came to this officer's aid, got on his radio, and called in the location of the officer. And I got to tell you, when, when we were covering that trial last week on the Law and Crime Network, and I heard that officer, Sean Bolton, key up on his radio, and his, his voice, you, you could tell, as, as trust me, as a cop, when you hear that voice over the radio, you know something is wrong. I got to tell you, it almost brought tears to my eyes and to watch the other officers that were looking for him that night because they found him several minutes later after he keyed up on the radio. And they all said the exact same thing. When Sean keyed up, I knew something was wrong. So, again, his family, Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Wilborn, he and his family say it was self-defense because he's just another downtrodden black man who was harassed by a white police officer. But it's kind of hard to claim self-defense when you shoot someone in the face and then you shoot them eight additional times while they're laying on the ground. And, oh yeah, keep in mind there were drugs in the car. Oh yeah, and keep in mind that he was a convicted felon for bank robbery and other charges, and he should not have had a gun. So there was no self-defense here. The defense was you did not want to go back to prison because A, you had drugs in the car. B, you're a convicted felon, and you cannot have a gun. That was your defense. It wasn't self-defense. You just did not want to go back to prison. But he was found guilty on this past Sunday 
of the murder of Sean Bolton, as well as the carjacking, as well as being a uh, felon in possession of a weapon. This was a death penalty case. As of yesterday, he was having his sentencing hearing hearing in uh, Memphis. And originally, the uh, state wanted to come in and offer um, life without the possibility to possibility of parole. Officer Bolton's family on Sunday totally disagreed with that, and uh, they rejected that life sentence. They are seeking the death penalty for Tremaine Wilborn, a guy who says, well, he was just scared because he was a black guy. And Sean Bolton Bolton was a white police officer. He was he was actually seen by several witnesses on that day saying, hey, somebody, please videotape this because I'm a black man and he's white and I'm scared. Well, you, you weren't scared of the fact that he was a white officer. You were scared that a white officer was going to find that gun on you. And with those drugs, knowing that you're a convicted felon, that you would probably be in prison for the rest of your life. But guess what? You're still going to be in prison for the rest of your life if the jury does not come back and say you're going to be sentenced to death, which is still going to take a good 20, 30 years or so. But the fact that you shot this officer simply because you didn't want to go back to prison came back to bite you in the ass. Because the fact is you were a coward. You shot him in the face. You shot him while he was on the ground because you didn't want to man up for your actions. There was no self-defense here. It wasn't a black and white thing. It was you didn't want to go back to prison thing. That's it. You know, I don't I don't know which which one I'm more upset about. The fact that this guy who again, convicted felon, spent time in prison for bank robbery, which is a federal offense, some other charges, ends up getting an illegal gun on the street, hence that you know, ever going gun control debate that people always associate with mass shootings and people always associate with people that buy guns legally. But yet here's a guy convicted of multiple crimes, convicted felon who could still get a gun illegally on the street. And why no one's talking about that type of gun control still amazes me to this day. I don't know if I'm more upset about that or the fact that this guy and his family, Tremaine Wilborn, would use race to say that's why he did it because he was a black man and that the officer was white then that's why he did it because he panicked because he was scared and a quote from Tremaine was get your cameras out and film this because they killing us they killing us this is what a witness testified to during court Tremaine they said they killing us but it was Tremaine who killed officer Sean Bolton so I don't know if I'm more upset that this guy got his hands on a gun which is pretty easy to do especially in Memphis there's illegal guns going on all over the place but it's the new standard if you assault or if you kill a police officer you can just say well it's because I'm a black man and I was scared because they killing us that really pisses me off because at the end of the day it comes down to what I always say that's lacking especially in the black community and I say that as a black man what's lacking in the black community accountability it had nothing to do with the fact that you were scared 
had nothing to do with the you were worried about being killed, but it had everything to do with what you were doing on that day. And you shouldn't have been on the street. You were in prison from 2006 to 2014 for the bank robbery. You were on supervised probation when you shot and killed Officer Sean Bolton. You failed several drug tests while you were on supervised probation. You have a prior sentence for armed robbery before you went to federal prison for the bank robbery. So the fact that you say they killing us, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir. You killed Officer Sean Bolton because you, even though in your huge six foot four, 250 statue, you, sir, are a coward and you, sir, could not man up for your actions. That is why Officer Sean Bolton is not here, not because you were worried that he was going to kill you. All right. Now on to a story you won't hear in mainstream media because it doesn't fit the narrative. Teens have been charged in the the death of a retired Missouri police officer. You may not hear this in mainstream media, but a few years ago, we heard all about this city, city of St. Louis. So two teens, uh, actually three altogether, have been arrested in connection with the shooting death of a retired St. Louis police sergeant. This happened on last Wednesday, which was Halloween. So what happened, this retired police sergeant, uh, Ralph Harper, was parking his car in the 3100 block of Lakeland Avenue at 730 in the morning uh, when he is approached by an armed robber. Harper, who was a retired cop, of course, likely and was armed, exchanged shots with one of the teens. The teen was shot in the hand. Harper was shot. Don't know exactly where yet. Both were actually transported to the same hospital. Uh, But prior to that, the team got into a stolen Honda Pilot SUV, which had been stolen about a month before. Uh, His buddies dropped him off at the hospital and left. Harper, who had called 911, was transported by an ambulance where he died about two hours later. Police later got into a pursuit of that stolen vehicle, captured uh, some teens that were inside that vehicle, and they actually captured the shooter as well, who is 17 years old, and he's being tried as an adult. The other two teens were 15 and 16. Prosecutors are still determining if they will try them as adults. Their names have not been released yet, uh, but the shooter on this case, had actually come in contact with officers just two weeks before on suspicion of gun and drug-related charges, but yet, and still, he was out. Because he was released, pending the lab results of the suspected drugs. Now, okay, I kind of maybe sort of get that part, But if I'm reading this right, he was held on suspicion of gun and drug-related charges. Well, you typically don't have to test a gun to see if it's real. You can basically, like, 
hit the magazine release, see if there's like real bullets in the gun and see if it operates like a real gun. Like you can slide the, you can cock the slide back or something like that. So I don't even understand why this guy, 17 years old, was released pending the results of the lab test on those drugs. Hmm. Well, had he been where he should have been in jail while they awaited those lab results, had he been where he should have been, this retired officer of 33 years, 33 years, who retired in 2007, didn't lose his life while he was out protecting and serving. He lost his life trying to protect his own life because some 17-year-old who probably would have said the same thing Tremaine Wilborn did about get the cameras out because they're killing us, some 17-year-old decides he wants to go rob them this 17-year-old that's riding around in a stolen Honda Pilot SUV that they had stolen a month before decides, I want to go rob this guy. And, oh, he's going to shoot at me. I'm going to shoot back. And I kill him, and I get struck in the hand. So this officer, 33 years, 33 years. Think about that. 33 long years. That's longer than some people have even been alive on this earth. 33 years he did. He protected. He served the city of St. Louis. He retires 11 years ago and he dies because some punk, some thug decided to rob him. Now, mm, correct me if I'm wrong, but at 17, you can have a job that cuts you a paycheck. I should know because my son is 17 and he works just about every day and he gets a paycheck. Now, granted, it's not much. But he gets a paycheck and he's learning to do things for himself and not get self quick gratification by just going out and robbing people. What has happened? Where is the breakdown? Where was this guy's father? Where was this guy's mother that at 17 Instead of, you know, preparing to graduate high school and go off to college or the military. At 17, you're out on the street stealing cars, selling drugs, carrying guns, shooting people who turn out to be a retired police officer, and then you kill them. Where were his parents? Where was his cousin? Where was his big brother? His uncle? Where was somebody to keep this 17-year-old off the streets? Julian Matthews, 17 years old, St. Louis. Where were his role models? What is happening here? But I assure you, if the roles were reversed and he came in contact, let's say with these officers that arrested him just two weeks before, for this gun, let's just say that they were forced to use deadly force because, again, suspicion of gun and drug related charges. So if they suspected a gun charge, that means there was a gun there. So let's just say flip the script and this officer's not killed. 
this retired officer is not killed, flip the script and say that officers had to use deadly force against this 17-year-old Julian Matthews. And I guarantee his dad, his mom, his uncle, his cousins, his first grade teacher, and everybody else would be out there saying how much of a great kid he was and he didn't deserve to die this way. And it's just, they killing us. That's what they do. They kill us. Just like Tremaine said right before he shot Officer Sean Bolton. What is happening? Where is that outrage that you can say it's okay for our kids to act a certain way? It's okay if they go out and rob someone. It's okay if they go out and sell drugs. It's okay if they go out with guns. It's okay if they drive around in stolen cars. All of that is okay, but it's not okay if the police officer has to react. If people don't see a problem with that, then they are the problem. All right, it is just about time for me to get out of here. I got to jump on a plane in a few minutes back to Atlanta. I'm up here in New York. It's uh starting to get a little chilly up here, but uh before I go, of course, I have to do my 10/7 segment. And uh I I got a real real tragic one here. Um Deputy Sheriff Loren Vasquez, her end of watch was this past Wednesday October 31st, 2018. And this one hits close to home for so many reasons. Um, If you remember last week, which uh, I was on the air Wednesday, which was Halloween. That was my daughter's 23rd birthday. And Deputy Sheriff Loren Vasquez was 23 years old. And she had only been on the department for five months. She was with the Waller County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Sheriff Loren Vasquez drowned after her patrol car was caught into floodwaters near the intersection of FM 362 and Hoover Lane. She was responding to investigate reports of high water when her patrol car was swept into a water-filled ditch and overturned. After considerable effort, other deputies were able to remove her from the vehicle. She was transported to Memorial Hermann Hospital where she was pronounced dead. Deputy Vasquez had served with the Waller County Sheriff's Office for only five months, and this was her third shift after completing her field training. So she had just left being with the field training officer, and she died en route to investigate high waters. Man, and if that doesn't touch your heart, a 23-year-old, she literally, literally, Remember, my daughter's 23. She could be my daughter, and she was only on the department for five months. And most of that was with the police academy and with the field training officer because she had just finished her third shift of being out on her own. And I remember the very first night when I uh, finished my FTO training and I was cut loose on my own. And if you don't know what FTO is, field training officer, that is the person that you ride with for several months. Depending on the department, you may rotate a few times, but they are there to get you ready for the streets, right? Field training officer. That's exactly what it is. I remember the very first time 
the very first night I was out without an FTO, I was scared out of my mind, didn't know what to expect, didn't know how I'd react to something. And this young girl, on something she probably didn't even think of, it's water. Her vehicle gets swept away, overturns, and she drowns. Tragic. Deputy Sheriff Loren Vasquez, I want to thank you for your service. Godspeed to you. My prayers to you, to your family, to your mother, your father, and whoever else you may have left behind in this world. I'm sure you were living out a lifelong dream. Unfortunately, it ended quickly and ended tragically. But I still thank you for your service. I thank you, my loyal listeners, for listening. I will see you same time, same place, right here next week. RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 